Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Running Effect with Dominic Schleter. I'm your host, Dominic, and before we get into today's exciting and new episode of the show, I'm so excited to announce that the podcast is brought to you by Gooder. Gooder is legitimately a dream brand that I've been wanting to work with for many, many months. And honestly, since the first time I put on the sunglasses, I was like, man, this is one of the coolest running brands out there. Gooder makes $25 active sunglasses that don't slip, don't bounce, and are 100% polarized. This for me was incredible because as a kid, I used to go to Walmart because that's all I could afford, buy their $5 sunglasses and they'd immediately break, but I couldn't spend like $100 on quality sunglasses. So when I found Gooder, I was like, wow, quality sunglasses at $25, that is very hard to beat. Guys, I wear Gooders from everything from track workouts to races to even weddings. Like the, these things perform not only on the track, but off the track and make you look stylish wherever you go. So you guys, can support the show and pick up a pair. Uh, Gooder is giving the Running Effect listeners free shipping on your first order. I also threw a link in the show notes and you'll see me sporting them on social media as well. You can go to gooder.com slash the running effect to get free shipping. Gooder offers a 30 day money back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. You can find your pair today at gooder.com slash the running effect and get free shipping. So today's episode of the podcast, I have the great privilege of speaking with Christina Aragon. Christina is an incredibly accomplished athlete just in high school she won 12 individual state titles i believe in the state of montana which is truly incredible she then went on to the university of stanford where she was a multi-time all-american and contributed to the team and university on and off the track Uh, she was a team captain as well and really did some incredible things and most recently christina announced that she will be joining the bowerman track club and we talk about all of this from her time growing up in the sport all the way up to present day and bowerman track club current subjects so i hope you all enjoy today's conversation as much as i did special thanks to christina for having the conversation with me so without further ado here's my conversation with the one and only christina aragon Christina, welcome to the Running Effect podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Yeah, I just got done with the workout, so getting some time to relax, doing doing well. So I have to ask, today is, uh, at least as of recording this, it won't come out the same day we record it, but today is Friday, October 28th, and this morning was the Pac-12 championships, or just conference championships in general in cross country. I have to ask you, I know I know you're a, a fan of the track and, and running some fast times and shorter distances, but do you miss cross country at all and that the team atmosphere that comes with the Pac-12 championships? Yeah, I honestly absolutely do. I just texted the girls that were running Pac-12 last night and kind of said, like, I miss this. I wish I could be doing it all over again with you guys. So I definitely do miss it. And, yeah, cross country is just kind of like it's its own its own unique thing. And, like, the the kind of the idea of lining up next to a bunch of teammates and, like, just knowing that you're going to put everything out there for these girls, like, I feel like that's just like a really unique and like meaningful type of race. And so I definitely absolutely miss that. And I'm lucky to now like be on another team type environment, but I'm, I'm always going to, while I might not miss the, the like grind of cross country, I'm always (laughs) going to miss the grinding for my teammates. Definitely. Was there a particular most memorable race from cross country? When you think back to your years at Stanford, does one in particular stand out? Hmm, that is a very good question. 
Um, one that initially comes to mind is my fifth year. Um, yeah, that was my fifth year. That was the like funky COVID season that we had. Um, and I had kind of had a bit of like a, like an IT band slash knee injury going on. And so I kind of like, it was the Pac-12 race. Um, yeah, so Pac-12 race probably around this time as well, a few years ago. Um, and I kind of had a little bit of like a funky injury going on. It wasn't quite sure, like, you know, how my body was even going to like handle a race. And um, my team like went out and competed, competed really well. Like we had Ella and Zofia finish really well. And I was able to like um, have a, a spot that got points. And like we ended up winning the Pac-12 that year. And so that was just like a really fun experience where kind of like everything came together at the right time with, with Pac-12. And then another one was definitely, honestly, last year. We, <laughs> last year we had kind of like a rough a rough start early on and then we had a a regional race where everyone kind of like finally like we knew that we kind of it was a do or die situation and we put finally put it together and everyone really ran well and um that was really exciting because it kind of was like seeing everyone be really mature and like mentally calm and just step up to the plate when it mattered most and run for each other so honestly any race where you're just like out there like giving your all for each other is always special Mm -hmm, for sure so before we get into some extent extensive stanford and bowerman track club talk i want to bring it all the way back to your start in the sport of running so just a base starter question how did you get your start in the sport of running and in addition to that what were your first impressions of the sport yeah um for getting my start getting my start um, in running, I would say, so I have a running family kind of, um, both my dad and my mom ran in college and then ran a little bit post-collegiately at different levels. Um, So we always did like, I mean, I guess you could say my start in running was when I was riding in the baby jogger, my mom would, she was still actually training for marathons, even when I was born and she was like over 40, she was still training for marathons. Um, so I would spend a lot of time in the baby jogger riding around and listening to her breath and her footsteps, like making little patterns out of that. And we'd stop at the cookie store and I'd get cookies and she'd continue <laughs> on her run. So the, it was, it was kind of a pretty nice entrance to running. I might say it involved a lot of cookies and a lot of hanging around. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like, where I first, I don't know, I guess started learning about running. And then I would say like my first experience running myself was my family would always do, or I guess my sisters and my mom and I would always do the Montana women's run, which is like a really nice event in Billings, Montana that gets put on every year. Um, and it's a bunch of women come together and um, it's like a two mile or a five mile race. Um, and so we'd go to little like getting started kind of like training sessions for that sometimes and like, everything was pretty relaxed and fun. And I just remember like really looking forward to and like kind of getting nervous, but also enjoying, enjoying the like jitters, even as like a five or six year old kind of getting ready to run like a two mile race. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I first got into it. And that was always really fun because it was kind of like a family event and like a big community event as well. Um, and that kind of like leads into my first impressions of the sport I would say the thing that stuck out to me at the beginning was just like the community around running. And that's likely because like my first experiences um, were like in a big kind of like Montana women's run would bring people from all over Montana and even outside of Montana 
and it had a raffle afterwards and cinnamon rolls and it was just like so much kind of like excitement and fun and community around running um and I felt like that was a great experience to have as my first impression because it just like showed me um like how much connection and community you can get out get from going out and pushing your body with a bunch of other people who also want to be healthy and enjoying being outside. Also your dad was an incredible miler at the University of Notre Dame um, also super talented runner and then your two older sisters I believe were high school state champions and then went on to do some incredible things at the University of Notre Dame. So I'm just curious, what was it like growing up in that family of honestly superstars who in the state of Montana were very, very legit? Yeah, um, I think it was, it definitely helped me to learn a lot. I think from a young age or just like pick up on things because obviously my, my parents would kind of give us advice from like, even in like the little like, half lap kids run they'd be telling us stuff like don't go out too fast like save your energy for the end you know so kind of like picking up on those little lessons about running early on and then also just like watching my sisters go through high school and like watching them race and then also like there'd oftentimes be conversations at the dinner table about like I don't know like both what they did well and like things that they can work on and stuff like that so I feel like I just spent a lot of time like picking up information maybe without even really knowing it. And I feel like that probably like helped me with race tactics and everything like that. And being able to like feel out races fairly naturally later on, like when I was running myself, just from like having so many of those conversations and kind of like those experiences, watching other people in my family go through stuff before me and like was almost like a little bit closer to second nature by the time like I finally got there to do it myself. So up to this point, I've recorded over 100 podcasts, and I can certainly say this is the coolest statistic I've ever come across in preparation for a podcast. I found out that an Aragon sister won a Montana state title for 12 consecutive years, which is truly remarkable. Uh, I mean, I don't think I've ever heard a statistic as cool as that. It's pretty remarkable to, to be able to do that. So I'm curious, a lot has to go in to win one state title, let alone four, let alone eight, let alone 12, uh, over three different sisters. So what do you think makes you and your sisters special that enabled you guys to really achieve something that I don't think has ever been done before in a state? Um, yeah, I think like we were lucky that we had great support from my parents. I think that was definitely super helpful. And then I also feel like we're very supportive of each other as well. I would say like, Definitely, I mean, in car games and things like that, it gets pretty competitive. But as far as running goes, I feel like we're definitely, like, very supportive of each other and not very competitive with each other. Like, definitely competitive, like, when it comes down to races. But I feel like, I don't know, we definitely have, like, each other's best interest in mind. I feel like my oldest sister did a really good job of, like, setting the stage on that with my middle sister because they overlapped a little bit. And then I was on my own for my full four years. But... Yeah, I would say, like, having just, like, such supportive um, sisters and, like, great role models going before me, I feel like kind of, like, that connection to each other and, like, I don't know, kind of being in things together, like, helps you to, I don't know, just, like, be more prepared to do your best and, like, be running for something that's more than yourself also. So continuing off of the number 12, you must like that number because you ended up winning uh, 12 
state titles uh, while running for Billings Senior High School. In addition to that, you were also the Gatorade Montana Track and Field Athlete of the Year in 2015 and 2016. Uh, you ran 411 in the 1,500-meter uh, maybe even faster. Just remarkable stuff all around. You also won the Dream Mile. Uh, basically, what I'm getting to is what what does it mean to you to look back on those four years of high school and think back to the incredible athlete you were and how you contributed to the state of Montana in really a remarkable way and, and left behind a legacy that won't be forgotten? Yeah, I mean, those years were definitely really special to me, and it was particularly special, like, how supported I felt in Montana. I feel... Like, I don't know, it was kind of fun to be in an era with, like, Annie Hill and the Morley sisters, and it kind of felt like we were all there pushing each other to kind of be better, and, like, those are a bunch of people who have all, like, been able to go on and run in college and go to D1 schools, Um, and so I feel like it was really special to kind of be part of that era of, like, pushing Montana running forward, along with, like, a bunch of other women in the state, Um, so, yeah, I would, I would say... It was like, I don't know, I just have very fond memories of looking back and like racing all those women and or I guess racing all those girls at the time. Um, yeah, so I don't know, definitely very special memories and like makes me feel very connected to the state in the way that they, I don't know, I even got like, it was cool like at the my final state meet kind of like a lot of people cheering and stuff like when I was on the stands and I felt like that was like a very special moment because it was kind of like, you know, everyone's from different teams around Montana and they're supporting different people, but I felt like very supported by the state as a whole. And so I feel like that, like, it's kind of cool to feel like your accomplishments are also kind of like the state's accomplishments as well. Like it's something that everyone's somewhat invested in. And like, like I said, bigger than yourself. Mm -hmm. One final question for you before we get into some Stanford talk, if you could go back and give your high school self one piece of advice, what would it be? Yeah, this is a very hard question. Um, hmm. Yeah, I think what I would probably tell myself something that was going to prepare me for college. And I think I would maybe tell myself that, like, what worked for you in high school isn't necessarily going to work for you in college. And you have to be, like, open-minded and really have to work hard to like listen to your body and kind of find what works for you as time goes on I feel like maybe I had a little bit of trouble at times like adjusting to kind of like I don't know like I think you can't when you go off to college you can't think of like what I did in like all the fine details of what you did in high school like like you know you're you were successful because you're talented and you worked hard And, like, those are things that, like, aren't going to change in college. And I feel like it's easy to kind of get stuck on those little tiny details of what you did in high school. And I feel like it's, like, super important to remember that, like, if you're you're working hard, like, you're going to get good results. And working hard can come in a lot of different forms and involve, like, can involve cross-training or more running or, like, all sorts of different things. And so I think I would have just, like, encouraged myself to be really open-minded when I went into college and just, like, I don't know, open to trying new things and, um, yeah, just, like, using different modes of getting better than I knew before. Yeah, I love that answer. So going into some Stanford talk, uh, just first base question, what went into the decision to attend Stanford University? Uh, <laughs> what stood out to you about the program that made you want to go there over other schools? Yeah, I would say definitely 
the team was a big part of it. Um, I felt like very like supported and excited about joining that team. Um, I felt like it was a super welcoming team and like that definitely held true when I got there. I felt like the team became my family, like in a span of just a couple months, it felt like I was like, it was actually a very hard decision for me to, to decide where I was going to college. But like once I was there for a couple months, I was like, wow, this is literally exactly where I need to be. And I was so happy to be there. So definitely the team was a big part of kind of creating that supportive family, family-like environment. But then I also think that Stanford's super unique because of the combination of both like academic rigor and athletic rigor. Um, I feel like it's, I don't know, there's not a ton of places that combine like the level of academic and athletic success that um, Stanford does. And so that was something that really excited me because I also was like really enjoying, like I have always enjoyed school um, and I definitely wanted something that was going to set me up well for my future and like push me in school as well. And so Stanford was kind of like the perfect combination and it had the human biology major, which I was interested in and I absolutely loved in my time there. So I just felt like it was kind of the right fit for me in a lot of different domains. Yeah, you talked about not only the running aspect of going to Stanford, but also the academic aspect and how that was equally important to you. I'm curious to hear, how did you balance the challenges of Division One running at really a top school in the nation with also the rigorous demands that accompany going to a prestigious university such as Stanford? And maybe in addition to that, what is some advice you would have for those who struggle with balancing both school and sport? Yeah, it's definitely very challenging, especially at the start as a freshman when you're kind of like trying to get the hang of everything. And like, it's also your first time, you know, taking care of all the the other little things. You're biking around campus everywhere and you're having to pick up your mail and go do all your laundry and kind of like go get your groceries or everything. So it can be like pretty overwhelming at the start. Um, And I would say like one major piece of advice or like something that I definitely would have told myself looking back is just like be compassionate and gentle with yourself. You know, like you're going to make mistakes and you're going to stay up too late sometimes and you're not going to get your assignment done as well as you thought you could have, or maybe you're going to not have a great workout or something like that. And that's like totally normal. And that's just like all part of getting the hang of it. Like you're just out there and like you do your best and that is enough and you'll figure out like how to kind of like, find the balance at some point but I think it's like important to be or it was important for me to be like very patient and like I don't know like empathize with myself or be compassionate with myself um and like not be so hard on myself if like you know I slipped up on sometimes and then I think like as time goes on you just kind of figure out how to like toggle the dials on school and things that make you happy and running and Sometimes it means maybe you didn't study quite as much as you could have for an exam because you have a race coming up. Or maybe it's finals week and you didn't get quite as much sleep as you ideally would have liked to before the workout. Um, Or maybe, like, you've been working really hard the past week in school and so you do something social and you get a little bit less sleep, but it, like, makes you feel happy and fulfilled. So you do that instead. So it's really, for me, it was just kind of about finding out how to toggle those dials and like you can't be turned up to a 100% on everything. And that's just kind of the fact of life. And so you got to figure out how to turn different things up and down at different times and due to different demands and kind of find your balance and don't be afraid to shift it and let it ebb and flow. 
It seems like uh, in your life and in your career, uh, both in high school and in collegiate running and now professional running, uh, it seems like you've been very intentional with who you surround yourself with and going with strong communities uh, to support you and surround you. Why is it important to you to surround yourself with a strong community? Yeah, I mean, surrounding yourself with a strong community is definitely very big. I feel like those people, like, for better or for worse, the people that you're around shape you, you know, and, like, you shape them as well. So I feel like it's very important to create a community around you that's going to help you to be your best self. And I definitely felt like going to Stanford, that was, like, joining that community for me and those, like, the women that, like, people like Elise or Vanessa or like all of the older women um, on the team, like they helped me kind of figure out how to do life. And they were important on me learning. I don't know how to take care of my body, how to balance, how to like balance those same lessons that I'm talking about now. Like those are lessons that Elise taught me, you know? So I think like surrounding yourself with people who are going to help you to be your best and help you to kind of like learn how to take care of yourself in a way that's going to keep you like, allow you to be successful, but also keep you balanced and happy. Like, like you got to surround yourself with the people that are going to kind of push you in the direction that you want to go. Yeah, there's this uh, quote I've been saying a lot recently, and it's show me your friends and I'll show you your future, which is exactly kind of what you're getting at, which just is, you know, the people who you surround yourself with are the people who are going to shape you into the person who you become. You mentioned Elise, so I have to ask this question uh, just totally out of my head. Elise is not only uh, a fan favorite on the podcast, she's been on multiple times, but she's also contributed to the podcast in multiple other ways, and I joke that she's the CEO of The Running Effect, but switching the meaning to <laughs> chief encouragement officer. Uh, just she's so positive and encouraging and has done so much for this podcast behind the scenes that people don't realize. So after you, you brought up her name, I have to ask this question. You've been surrounded with her uh, in your in your years at Stanford, and now you're finally reunited on the same team, which is super special to see. So I'm just mm-hmm. curious, what, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned from the Elise Cranny? I have learned everything I know is from Elise Cranny. Not really, but honestly, a lot of it. Um, and I would honestly say, like, the probably the, like I said, kind of finding that balance, a lot of that came from Elise as well. But the biggest lesson that I learned from Elise was during my junior year, I was going through kind of some big injuries. I had a stress reaction in my, like, hip and – um and Elise really taught me, I'd kind of been struggling with like making sure I was like eating enough and really letting my body kind of just go through its natural changes. I think it can be really hard going from high school to college because like, especially as a female in the sport, like your body should change when you're going from high school to college. Like you aren't supposed to look the same in high school as you do as, as a senior in college. And that's totally like normal and natural. But I think that was something that I had a hard time with there was some sort of like narrative whether that comes from society or uh, the sport or where it comes from but there was some sort of narrative that like any sort of body change or weight gain is bad and I was like having a hard time like kind of just letting my body do its thing and really trusting it and Elise was the person who told me like you have to let go like you have to let your body do its thing you have to let your body change you have to eat what your body like asks you to eat you need to take the rest that your body needs you to take. And like, that is the only way to like, you know, get through this and like to 
to prevent the injuries and to get to the other side is by truly listening to your body and like taking all the steps to learn how to listen to your body. And Elise was the person who finally like pushed me over the edge, like Elise in the combination of my injury was kind of like, I'm actually going to like get in touch with myself. I'm going to like take care of my body. I'm going to eat plenty. And I'm like, not going to care whether that means like, like gaining weight because that's, that's natural and that's normal. And that's honestly, like, I would say that's the biggest lesson that I've learned in my entire like collegiate career is that like, just the importance of like letting your body change and letting yourself gain that healthy fat and that healthy weight that is important going from high school to your end of college. And, and uh, Elise was someone who just provided so much support to me and so much support in taking the time off that I needed to, for my bones to heal and to kind of get to a more like healthy, like hormonally balanced place. And yeah, like I said, she was just absolutely essential in that. Oh, I love to hear that. Uh, Elise is, is truly the goat. But going more into some of that subject, because I think it's something that I haven't talked enough about on this podcast and could mm-hmm. be invaluable for our listeners specifically as a younger audience predominantly. I think specifically this age demographic really struggles with the idea of body image and listening to your body as a whole. I know you kind of gave some advice there through your own personal experience, but would you feel comfortable maybe sharing a little bit, a little bit more in depth as to kind of how to listen to your body better um, so that you can truly not only be a healthy athlete, but a healthy human being, because those two things should be in one with each other. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm definitely happy to talk about this subject. Like I'm very passionate about it. So I'm happy, like, if anyone ever reaches out to me, I'm very happy to talk about this stuff. Um, But, yeah, definitely, I think, especially if you've kind of been maybe ignoring your body signals for a while, kind of learning how to, like, really read your body can be a process that takes some time. Um, And I think it's hard as runners because when we're racing, it's almost like we're trying to ignore every signal that our body tells us because your body's telling you to stop, like, don't do this, it's just too hard, and you kind of have to push through. But I think it's learning that, like, like applying that to every area of your life is, like, not going to end up being, like, fruitful and healthy. And even applying that to every area of, like, you're running and stuff. Like, you know, like, some days you're supposed to go hard, but some days you're supposed to just, like, let your body be, you know? You don't always need to be fighting it. Um And so for me, it was kind of just like a lot of that had to do with how I was eating. Like when your body is asking you for a snack, it probably needs a snack. Like you don't have to question that. I think like sometimes I had a hard time with like, oh, but I ate not that long ago. And it's like, well, I'm hungry. So you need to eat something, you know, kind of just like getting in touch with those those signals that your body's telling you. And then also with rest, like, yes, like sometimes you're in the middle of a workout and it's hard and you want to. And you need to push through like in those times, like this is an, a very like, a, I don't know, a very specific time where you're pushing through um, pain or fatigue. But like if you found yourself pushing through like pain and fatigue and just like feeling really tired for weeks on end, that probably means you need to back off and you need to take a few days off or maybe something's hurting you. It's good to cross train versus just pushing through. So I think just kind of like for me and I think that that's another thing you have to be patient with yourself. Like it takes time to learn that stuff. Um, But yeah, for me, it was like, it was more about, I think your body will give you the signals. It's more just about like learning to trust your body because your body is your friend. It's not out here to sabotage you. Like it's like 
nothing, no like watch signal, no heart rate, like monitor knows better than like your brain takes all the signals that are happening everywhere in your body and calculates to tell you something. So like there's no better signal than kind of like, like there's no sig- better signal than, than you yourself. Um, so yeah, I would say that was kind of a long winded and maybe scattered answer. No, I love I it. Guess that's, no, feel free to direct me in any direction following up that. No, I think that's super, super helpful and super insightful for people who maybe are curious to hear more about the subject and personally people who struggle with it trying to overcome it. So I appreciate you sharing mm-hmm. uh, your, your thoughts on that subject because I think they'll be very helpful yeah. for everyone listening. Um, going back into some final questions uh, about Stanford, I'm curious, you've talked about, I mean, really any guest I've ever had on the podcast who went to Stanford, there's truly this bond that seems to be formed in the four to five years that people attend Stanford, and it seems to last far beyond the collegiate years. So I'm curious to hear, what do you personally think makes the Stanford team and community special? Yeah, I would say during my time there, um, I felt like Stanford was very unique because there are a lot of really like talented and successful individuals there. But I felt like particularly on the team, it was very like non-competitive. And so I felt like that made it very special because it's kind of like, you know, everyone has up days and down days and like things ebb and flow. Um but I feel like it's really special to be more focused on like, I always felt like my teammates and I were more focused on working towards like what the team can do together versus like what any one individual can do. And like, that's partially what makes cross country so special. Um, But yeah, so I would say like, that's definitely something that has kept me like bonded with my teammates for so long, just kind of like feeling so supported by them and like being like, always willing to help each other up when someone's going through injury and then also like celebrating each other's successes, even if that means someone was a place in front of you or whatever. It's like, it kind of doesn't really matter. Like if they're in front of you or you and you're in front of them, you're scoring the same team points, you know? So I would say like that non-competitive and super supportive atmosphere is what makes the Stanford community so special. So I believe your junior year, you were a team captain on your uh, team, I think in track and field, it could have been cross country, but regardless, you were a team captain. uh, So that's super special. I'm curious to hear, what are the biggest lessons you learned from being a team captain? And what attributes do you think make up a successful leader? Yeah, um, I think that a lot of that is kind of learning how to be like calm and mature yourself. That was like one thing that I remember coach Clark telling me, it was like, I think this was the year that he came. Um, I think it was my senior year. And I remember him telling me in a workout, like you be mature, be mature. And that kind of meant like, even if the workout wasn't like going amazing for me, it was kind of like about keeping your head calm and like, putting in the work and like not getting so like upset with yourself for not being able, you know, or not being where you hope to be at some point. And I feel like that's a super important part of being a leader is kind of just being able to have that maturity and like self-belief, even on the days where things aren't going that well, because like, that's what you want your teammates to do too. You know, like you don't want your teammates to be 
getting down on themselves and being really mad at themselves when, you know, when they aren't having their day, you know, everyone should just like kind of tap on as best they can. And some days you're going to fall off and some days you're going to be crushing it. And like, I think kind of an important part of being a leader is kind of being even keel and like being mature on the best days and the worst days and also continuing to believe in yourself on the worst days, just as much as you believe in yourself on the best days. I think like, a lot of being a leader is kind of leading by example and just like holding your head like steady and high and then just being a resource for people to come to when they're struggling and like using your own experience to help other people, whether that be with injury or with body image struggle, struggles or what else, whatever else it might be, just kind of being, being level-headed and being just always welcoming to questions. Today's podcast is brought to you by Exact Health. Exact Health is a sports physical therapy app for the most common running injuries. The app simplifies access to professional and customized physical therapy without long waiting times and costs. Exact Health offers individualized plans that automatically adapt to your feedback, which is truly incredible. Over 15,000 runners have already healed their running injuries like Achilles tendonitis, plantar fasciitis, and so many other injuries with the Exact Health app. The plans on Exact Health are designed by world-class physical therapists with the intent in mind of helping you guys to get back on the ground running. And also, if you aren't uh, injured currently, they also have a state-of-the-art prevention plan for runners that really introduces you into strength and mobility, um, helps you to adopt good movement patterns, and is really a baseline for amazing strength training that will keep you strong and healthy and hopefully avoid these injuries. As of recording this, I've actually been dealing with some shin pain and I downloaded the Exact Health app and that has definitely helped with the pain and helped me understand the pain a little bit more and some of the exercises I can do to strengthen that area so that it will go away eventually. I highly recommend you all give out this app a try. It's truly incredible, a very easy to use platform and has some amazing resources for both you when you're injured, but also, as I just mentioned, to um, adopt good movement patterns and just stay strong in general. So you guys can visit the link in the show notes of any episode for a quick link to download the app or just go to your app store and search Exact Health, spelled E-X-A-K-T Health, in your app store and download the app today to try it out and hopefully feel better. So you've kind of briefly touched on your collegiate career. It's had its fair share of ups and downs, as I'm sure every collegiate career does. Um, How have you embraced the famous phrase process over outcomes during your career so far, particularly in maybe the, the tougher moments? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that was really important during times where I had injuries. Um, yeah, I think, like, it can be hard when you aren't running the way that, like, you know you're capable of or maybe that you have in the past. But I think it's important to, like, just be putting in the work. And still, I think another part of the kind of, like, process versus outcomes is like still believing in yourself, still believing like in your talent and your potential and like knowing that like working hard and just like steadily putting in the work is eventually going to pay off. So I think a lot of that like process versus process over outcomes is just like 
putting in the work and continuing, like even the work to continue to believe in yourself. It's like both physical work and mental work. Um, and knowing that eventually everything will click together. And maybe it's also just like having kind of unwavering faith that at some point, like it will work out. And sometimes that takes, sometimes that takes a few months, sometimes that takes years for things to finally come together for you. But I feel like it's important to just like really trust and, and be positive that things will come together for you eventually. And also like, I think with process over outcome, it's like, if you're doing things in a way that you know is like good for your body and like, yeah, when I'm taking care of my body well, when I'm taking care of my head well, it's almost like the outcome becomes like less important because I know that I will like, I was doing exactly what I should be doing to get there no matter what the outcome ends up being. And usually those are the times where the outcome also ends up being the best is when you're kind of just like taking care of your mind and your body really well. But there's ways to be a good example for your teammates, even when you're kind of in the thick of the struggle, like you can still have your kind of like your process be something that can be a good example for other people to see. So culminating your collegiate career in in years at Stanford, what do you think you'll always cherish from those years you spent there? Mm, That's also a good question. Yeah, I would I think I just would cherish the time I got to spend with the team. And we kind of already talked about cross country at the very beginning of this, but I think I would just cherish all those moments where I like gave everything I had for my team, whether that be in cross country or in like the DMR or even in my individual race, trying to score as many points as I can for like a team track title or something like that. Um, yeah, I would just say, like, I'll always cherish how much, like, I cared about my teammates and felt supported by my teammates um, and felt like I was really going for, like, one goal altogether as a team. And just, like, those moments where you absolutely, like, put everything you can out there just for your teammates. So one final question. This kind of spans from your high school career all the way up till now with the Bowerman Track Club. You've been surrounded by some incredibly impressive individuals. In high school, you had your parents who were incredibly accomplished, your sisters who were incredibly accomplished. And then when you went off to Stanford, of course, there are so many remarkable people who are on the team currently and who have uh, graduated from Stanford. And, and now on the Bowerman Track Club, you get to be surrounded by some literally the best in the world in the sport of running. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to, to hear from your perspective, given you've kind of seen so many incredibly accomplished athletes over the years, what things do you most consistently see in high-performing individuals? I would say I feel like a lot of it like comes down to mindset sort of stuff. Um, I mean, obviously they're hard workers, but there's a lot of people that are hard workers as well. Um, yeah, I would say being able to like keep yourself calm in the middle of things that are really, really hard and like being able to, like we just talked about keeping, like being able to keep believing in yourself, even when things aren't going so well, like whether you're having a rough season or a rough workout, I think like, to be able to kind of have that short-term memory and like continue believing in your potential and like keeping yourself from freaking out. I feel like I kind of see that in a lot of like 
my teammates who have been really successful is just the ability to like stay calm and stay mature and um yeah just kind of like keep the faith in yourself no matter where you may be at in your journey yeah going off of the the subject of believing in yourself i think another way to say that is like confidence um and i'm curious Mm -hmm. i've personally struggled with this in my own personal career i think it's really hard to build back confidence after something like an injury or a bad race specifically an injury where you're like sidelined for you know in in the case of a serious injury a couple months and then building back into things and you're super out of shape and and you don't know if you still have it uh and you and you question Mm -hmm. yourself mentally not just physically but also mentally so I, i think you you could speak to this given your experience with injuries and other things how have you developed redeveloped confidence in yourself and rebuilt it up after some setbacks Hmm. yeah one thing that i always do is i try to sometimes when i'm coming back from an injury try not to check in with myself every day about whether i'm getting more fit or not i think that can kind of be a little bit draining And so what I kind of just try to do sometimes is just like put my head down and like get the work done. And then in a month or in two months, I'll check back in with myself and realize like, hey, I'm actually starting to feel better on my normal runs or I'm starting to feel okay in a workout. So I think part of that is just not overanalyzing like every single little thing that you're doing or, you know, what pace you were going. Like, Like one thing that I always do is Whenever I'm coming back from an injury, I try to not run with GPS at all and just run by time and know that I'm doing about the mileage that I need to be doing. And I feel like that's usually helpful for me because then it kind of keeps me from overanalyzing like every little thing about what type of shape I'm in or even starting with workouts like fart licks or something that aren't so much like time and distance and very specific um, number based. So I feel like that's been really helpful for me for kind of like not breaking down my confidence by overthinking everything and then just kind of like staying patient and knowing that at some point it's going to, it's going to come through and like, you don't have to, yeah, like I said, you don't have to analyze all the little tiny details every single day along the way. Right. For sure. Yeah. I love that advice. So going into some, some topics regarding your most recent news, which is signing with Nike and the Bowerman Track Club, what went into the decision to sign with uh, the Bowerman Track Club and what stood out about the group that made you want to join that atmosphere? Yeah, definitely a lot went into it. I took my time and definitely looked at a lot of different places because I wanted to find the place that was the right fit for me. So I looked into a lot of different groups, but ultimately Nike and Bowerman ended up being the best fit for me. And a major thing that stood out from the group is just, um, or about the group, is just the teammates that I would have. I think like having liked from my, like I learned from my experience at Stanford, having teammates that are going to push you and like help you to be your best, both like like in workouts and mentally and like who you can learn a lot from. I think that that is like so huge. And it also just like having the right teammates makes your experience with running so much more fun as well. So I kind of felt like this was a place where I felt like both like I really liked the team atmosphere and kind of how like supportive everyone was of each other and how much of a, a team type of feel it has, even though it's post-collegiate, which I feel like it can be harder to find that sort of team feel post-collegiately. So I just felt like coming here, like the biggest thing for me, like obviously 
I mean, Jerry and Tulane are going to be awesome coaches for me, and I'm very excited about that as well. But particularly having the teammates that um, are going to, like, support me and be with me at races and practices day in and day out, that was probably the biggest draw. Yeah, I think another aspect to it as well that I want you to speak on maybe is having the ability to work with, in my opinion, the greatest coach in the world, Jerry Schumacher, but also Shalane Flanagan, who I wouldn't be surprised Mm -hmm. if you looked up to in your journey in high school and college. So how excited are you to work with literally the best coaches in the world that you can chase after your dreams with? Yeah, I'm definitely so, so excited to work with both of them. It is kind of funny thinking back. I remember watching the... I think it was the 2008 Olympic trials, the track Olympic trials. And I probably had like a Shalane Flanagan poster on my wall. <laughs> um, I remember watching her and Kara Goucher. I think they were running like maybe the 5K. Um, and just like, yeah, I, I remember that being so fun watching all of them and, and just like really looking up to her. So it definitely is like pretty special to be now being coached by someone who's like gone through like so like or who's kind of been through a lot of big meets that like I also hope to be at you know and who's been through like the process of getting there I definitely think like we have a really great combination by having like Jerry's deep coaching experience and clearly he's coached a ton of people to so much success and that like allows me to have a lot of confidence in him but it's also nice to have Shalane who is still like fairly fresh out of her own experience competing and like she can be like really relatable in that regard and so I feel like that's kind of the perfect combination of kind of having someone who's super experienced in coaching and having someone who really understands um, the athlete perspective but who's also in a coaching position. Yeah after talking with every single Bowerman track club athlete on this podcast it it feels like they are the perfect combination of coaches and they balance out each other super well which is uh, always fun to hear about and it seems like it makes for like a really good coaching experience because they seem to cover all the bases of a phenomenal coach Mm -hmm, absolutely so two more questions for you before we get into some fun ones to wrap up the show my first one for you is what are some goals you have for the coming year both from a process standpoint and an outcome standpoint or whatever way you want to go about it Mm -hmm. yeah I would say from a process standpoint I'm looking to kind of just be patient with myself and like find get in my rhythm with pro running I know that it can take some time to adjust to running at this next level. So my process goals are being patient with myself and just like putting in the work and learning as much as I can from my teammates and my coaches and kind of figuring out what's going to work for me at this next level. Um, and another piece of that is kind of figuring out the balance aspect of it, because I think a lot of it, it's, I'm, super grateful to have now like the extra time that maybe I didn't have at Stanford when I was doing school to now be able to take care of all the little things that are going to keep me healthy and like, you know, help me improve my running. But I also think like I am like many runners are kind of type A. And I think it's important also not to go over the edge with the little tiny details as well and kind of start overemphasizing things or just like spending too much of your time kind of obsessing over things. So I think this year, a big process goal for me is kind of finding out, kind of trying to figure out my balance between like 
what's going to help me to be my best, my best like athletic self while also not going over the edge with that. And also while keeping myself like mentally balanced and happy and feeling good and feeling excited about running. Um, so that's a big process goal for me and just like being patient with myself while I adjust. And then I would say a lot of my outcome goals are probably more on like a two year cycle because I know that the first year can be full of um, some adjustments. But in this first year, I would love to uh, accomplish some goals in the 1500 and like really improve what I've been able to do in that because I feel like, I mean, my PR in the 1500 is, still from high school and I am very much ready to break through that and I feel like there's been times where I've been like knocking out the door and haven't quite broken through that so I definitely would love to have a major hopefully a multiple second breakthrough in my 1500 um so I would say that's an outcome goal for this year um but then as far as more like qualifying for teams those goals would be set on more of a two-year sort of outcome looking towards that yeah I, I so much love that you have like given yourself the time and the process to really dive into the process of of this new step in this new experience with the Bowerman Track Club and I'm sure I've heard this on the podcast and in talking with previous Bowerman athletes they throw themselves into this journey so quickly that they come out with injuries in the first year or just being burnt out or whatnot so it's super encouraging mm -hmm. to hear you talk about really approaching this process at least the first two years from a process standpoint. Uh, someone can count how many times I just said process in those few sentences, but I think you know what I mean. That's super special. <laughs> um, my more, yeah, absolutely. My more fun question going off of that, I want to see you kill in the 15. Uh, I think you're going to kill in the 15, but I have to ask, just being a realist, Knowing Jerry, he likes to move people up really quickly. And in, in the case of our mutual friend, Elise, you know, she's running 10Ks at this point. Mm -hmm. So are you worried you're going to be moved up quickly to, to a distance that maybe isn't in your comfort zone? I wouldn't say I'm super worried about that. I feel like Jerry and I and Shalane have kind of talked a lot about my background and where I'm coming from. And we've definitely talked about being open to other other events, but... I think it's more about kind of like what potential they see in me in practice. And like, if my best race is going to end up being something like the 5k, then it would be like, why not try it? You know, or whether it's the 5k or the steeple or like 3k or 1500, whatever it might be. Um, so I am excited to kind of like see what type of potential I have as I get more like mileage and big workouts under my belt. Um, so I wouldn't say that's something that I'm feeling overly nervous about. And I feel like, um, like Jerry and Shalane seem to have a lot of excitement. I just kind of like taking me, like taking me in the potential that I have, like where I'm at. And I appreciated that they were excited about the fact that I haven't done a ton of mileage before and kind of, they've been very good about working and building into that slowly. And so I think like, I trust that I'll end up in the place that like I'm all end up in the place in the event that I need to be in. And, and I think we're going to be taking um, no rash big steps that shouldn't be taken to, <laughs> to get me. Yeah. Enjoy the 15 and the, the 800 and then you can come back on the podcast in like five years from now when you have the American record in the 10, you stole it from Elise. Um, <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Take it one step oh, at a time. Gosh. Um, one final question I'm for you. Really hoping not the 
Okay, but we'll see. Yep, yep. One final question for you. This is looking way ahead to the future. Uh, after you retire from the sport of running, you hang up the spikes. What do you want people to think of when they hear the name Christina Aragon? I would like for people to think of me as someone who went after their goals, but without sacrificing like mental stability and being just like a happy, balanced person. Like I would like to be an example of what it looks like to be in like a healthy, happy, cared for body and have a healthy, happy mind um, and how you can do that and like go after and achieve your goals at the same time. Oh, I love that. This whole conversation has been amazing, Christina. But to top it off, we have some fun listener questions. I like to call this segment the rapid fire questions, also known as the going to the well segment. So these questions were submitted on Instagram. <laughs> I won't read people's usernames just because I'll probably end up butchering them. It doesn't matter too much. Anyway, the first question uh, I'll ask you that someone asked was, what's your favorite part of your night routine? My favorite part of my night routine? Yeah. Um... Let's see. Definitely not flossing under my retainer. That's not <laughs> uh, so fun. But um, uh, my favorite part of my night routine is probably journaling. I like to journal, um, and I do that most nights. And I feel like that kind of calms me down and gets me like feeling sleepy. So that would be my favorite part. I love journaling, too. It's so awesome. Specifically before bed, mm-hmm. I feel like it clears all of your thoughts out before the day and I find myself sometimes when I go to bed my mind is racing with all these different thoughts and it's hard to fall asleep but I feel like journaling <laughs> kind of gets all those thoughts on paper um, so I love that uh, this person also yeah. asked what's your go-to coffee order my go-to coffee order is a hot latte with oat milk and lavender syrup uh, another question I'm assuming uh, going off of last friday's music releases opinions on taylor swift oh i really like taylor swift and i think her new album is great i'm still kind of working my way listening through it um but i really like glitch that's my favorite from this album and i'm a big fan of um last great american dynasty from her last two and honestly there's like great songs on all of her on all of her um album so i'm a big taylor swift fan uh another question was what is your dream vacation Mm, i would like to go to australia i feel like there's a lot of really interesting wildlife out there and i think that would be really fun and it's really far far away so it feels like it would be a very like exotic and exciting place to go another question was what is your favorite run spot in montana Mm, this is a good question. My favorite run spot in Montana. Hmm. I really like, I'm probably blanking on something that would be even more beautiful, but I, in my hometown, I really like running along the rim rocks. There's this area called the back nine and it kind of has like this extensive it has a ton of trails back there and I really like running in there because I feel like I can get a super long run in and um, be going on all sorts of different trails. And I love running on single track and kind of having the ups and downs and like kind of having to be a really dynamic, dynamic run. So I'd say the back nine and billing. Okay. This is a, a personal question. No one asked this on Instagram. This is just going off of what you were talking about. Do you ever worry about the wildlife in Montana when you're running or is that totally a weird question to ask? 
Yes. Not in Billings, I don't. Um, but whenever you're, like, kind of traveling around, if you're anywhere near Yellowstone or, like, we go to Jackson, Wyoming, which I guess is Wyoming, but we go to Jackson, Wyoming every year, and I definitely do worry about the bears there. And you're supposed to carry bear spray. Like, the signs you go by say, like, don't run, don't hike alone, <laughs> like carry bear spray. And I'm out there running alone, not carrying bear spray. So I do get a little nervous. <laughs> that, that's just when you engage that 1500 meter speed in, in hopes of outrunning a bear. Um, one, yeah, no, one final listener question. Uh, would you rather, I thought this was funny. I've never seen this asked, but I guess it's kind of an intriguing <laughs> question. Would you rather race a 10K steeple or a marathon? <gasps> oh gosh um probably a marathon honestly i mean a 10k I steeple like, just sounds brutal yeah that sounds brutal i mean i feel like the 10k seems really hard because it's like moving at a decently fast pace but it's also really long and so like add the steeple into that I also just think your body might be wrecked at the end of a 10K steeple, which it would be after a marathon, too, but maybe more permanently wrecked after a 10K steeple. <laughs> right, right. I, I'm thinking with you as well. Yeah, 10K steeple, that's uh, certainly an interesting event that I hope no one has to try mm -hmm. ever. My one personal yeah. question uh, that I ask every single guest at the end of every single show, the question, the famous Gordon Ramsay question is, if you had Gordon Ramsay coming over for dinner, what would you choose to make for him? The first thing that pops into my head is zucchini lasagna with manchego cheese. Ooh, sounds fancy. Christina, this conversation mm -hmm. has been a very fun one. I appreciate you going in-depth on many different subjects and taking us through your career as a whole and then answering some fun listener questions at the end. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and I can't wait to see all the amazing things that God has in store for you in this next chapter of your life and hopefully get you back on the show in the future. So thank you so much today for coming on the show today. Yeah. Thank you. It was great to be on. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Running Effect. If you enjoyed it as much as I did, you can like, subscribe, share the show with a friend or two, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and even share it on social media if you enjoyed it that much. That way we can hopefully reach new listeners and inspire them in the process. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Exact Health and Gooder, two incredible brands. I highly suggest scrolling down in the show notes and checking both of them out. Until next episode, guys, I hope your training and running is going well, and I will catch you all then.